Bibles now. Our focus is going to be on verses 5 and 6. However, I'm going to read this larger section to give us a better understanding of the context. Before we read, let's go to our God in prayer. Father in heaven, as we open your word, we ask that you illuminate our hearts and our minds to hear from you through your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Jeremiah 29. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent to Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers, and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elasa, son of Shaphan, and to Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. You may say, the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. But this is what the Lord says about the king who sits on David's throne and all the people who remain in the city, your fellow citizens who did not go with you into exile. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will send the sword, famine and plagues against them, and they will make and I will make them like figs that are so bad they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with the sword, famine and plagues, and I will make them abhorrent to the kingdoms of the earth, a curse, an object of horror, of scorn and reproach among all the nations where I drive them. For they have not listened to me, to my words, declares the Lord, words that I sent them 
again and again by my servants and prophets, and you exiles have not listened either, declares the Lord. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I have sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says about Ahab, son of Koliah, and Zedekiah, the son of Messiah, who are prophesying lies to you in my name. I will deliver them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he will put them to death before your very eyes. Because of them, all the exiles from Judah who are in Babylon will use this curse. May the Lord treat you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon burned in the fire. For they have done outrageous things in Israel. They have committed adultery with their neighbors' wives, and in my name they have uttered lies, which I did not authorize. I know it and am a witness of it, declares the Lord. Praise God for the reading of his word. All those Old Testament passages are easy to read, aren't they? (laughs) When I was a kid, I used to take out their names and put them in there with simple names that I could pronounce, like Mark or Bob, just to help keep me straight in the story. I haven't that luxury anymore. As we dive into our topic today about building houses and planting gardens, let's begin by understanding who Jeremiah is and his overall message to the exiles. Jeremiah is a prophet from the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom of Israel was was captured by Babylon about 20 years earlier, and now the southern kingdom of Judah is suffering the same fate. In chapter 29, Jeremiah, who remains in Judah, writes to his fellow Judeans who are in exile in Babylon to explain to them God's purpose in their exile and to warn them about the false prophets to come. The Judeans are God's people. Sure, they had blown it, but they are still the people, together with the Israelites of the northern kingdom, chosen by God. God loves them. God loves them when they love him back, but he also loves them when they're naughty. Jeremiah explains that as consequence for their unfaithful actions, the Judeans are carried away into exile to Babylon. They find themselves living in a strange land. Many of them begin to wonder, will God come rescue me? Will he see that I'm in distress and hear my cry and save me? I have two five-year-old twin boys. They're good Old Testament names, Micaiah and Obadiah. And two years ago, they attended a birthday party from, for my niece, Olivia. And the theme for Olivia's birthday party was Paw Patrol. And this was the first time they had encountered Paw Patrol. We don't have cable TV or satellite or anything like that, so they had never heard of Paw Patrol before. But when they went to this birthday party, they learned who Paw Patrol is. And so for those of you who don't know, Paw Patrol is a team of rescue pups uh, that each have individual skills to offer their team. They're led by a boy named Ryder, 
And when Ryder receives a mission, he summons the pups through their pup tags and they report to the lookout tower to receive their mission. Once the twins learned about Paw Patrol, they were hooked. (laughs) My family now has several Paw Patrol DVDs. We have Paw Patrol tricycles, Paw Patrol pajamas, Paw Patrol sheets and blankets, Paw Patrol backpack, Paw Patrol stuffed animals, underwear, a tent, water bottles. You get the picture. Once Paw Patrol is aware of a problem, they quickly develop a plan and respond to the issue. They resolve that problem, everything's good, all in 20 minutes or less. So what is it that makes Paw Patrol so attractive to young kids? It could be the personalities of the characters of each of the pups and Ryder and some of the other folks who are in the show, but I suspect it's something beyond the characters. I believe it's the hope that Paw Patrol offers. The saying in the show goes that there's no problem too big or no pup too small. Whenever you're in trouble, just yelp for help. As children, they don't think long and hard about situations. They just go along in their lives until they encounter a problem. And when they don't know what to do, they have that reaction. They yelp for help. And most of the time, this yelping comes in one of two forms. Mom! Or, Dad! is the most common way that this yelp for help is expressed. They know that mom or dad will always know what to do and how to resolve their problems, help them get them back to safety, and resolve their situation. The exiles in the southern kingdom are a little bit like these young children. They were going about their lives not really paying attention to God's expectations for them to remain faithful to the covenant. And to correct them, God allows these Babylonian invaders to come in and carry them off into exile to Babylon. And once they arrive, they start looking for a way out. They wonder if they call on God. Will He quickly resolve the situation? In this way, they think of God as Ryder, hoping that he'll summon the pups to the lookout tower, brief the mission, and then get them out of their trouble so that they can get on with their lives once more. In case any of you are still wondering, God is not Ryder. And he doesn't typically just jump into our lives, make things all better, and then quickly fade away into the background. Often, God allows us to experience the natural consequence of our actions because He knows that we need to experience some tough stuff in order to develop character, perseverance, and discipline. Though it pains Him to see His children suffer, God uses that suffering to allow us to become mature and complete. If we simply relied on God to rescue us rescue us from all of life's problems without learning from our actions, 
we would take his mercy and grace and forgiveness for granted. When Jeremiah delivers the message to build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters, increase your number and there do not decrease. He's communicating two messages. First, he says, you're going to be here a minute. God is not going to jump in and take you out of this situation. In his sovereignty, God allows you to go through some hard times because he knows that in the end, it is what brings us back to him. Rather than seeking too quickly to remove ourselves from the situations in life that we wish we could be removed from, maybe we should ask some questions. What lesson or lessons might God be teaching me in this situation and in this season of life? Though our hearts may long to be back in Jerusalem, we may be called to build houses and plant gardens where we are. We may find that we need to settle in to a new situation in order to develop a deeper understanding of who God is and his love for us. This doesn't happen quickly. Building houses and planting gardens depends on commitments. No one plants a garden and then leaves before the harvest comes. They spend time to pick out the right location. They add fertilizer to the soil. They till the ground. Rocks and weeds need to be removed. Constant attention is paid so that enough water is provided and the plants produce a good harvest that we have hoped for. In the same way, we don't put in the time, effort, money, and energy into building a house where no one intends to live. Instead, we carefully plan. We don't just think of the needs that we have for today and right now. We consider the future needs. And by planning for a future, we strengthen our hope of a future together. Jeremiah's message to build houses and plant gardens tells us that God is going to let us learn from the natural consequences of our actions. A second lesson here is that he will not waste our time, our pain, or our experiences. As God matures us, he allows us to experience to use our experience to benefit not only ourselves, but those in our community too. In our pruning experience, God uses our gifts, our talents, and our example to help encourage and to bless others. When Babylon prospers, you too will prosper. The most important lesson we learn from Jeremiah is the hope we have in the new covenant. Under the former covenant, the agreement is between two unequal parties, God and the people of Israel. God's faithfulness to his people depends more or less on their faithfulness to him. As the book of Jeremiah continues, he prophesies a new covenant. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, proclaims, 
The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will know me from the greatest to the least, declares the Lord. Under the old covenant, where the terms of the covenant depended on the actions of the people, the people always failed. God always loved them. However, they did not have the ability to keep the law. We do not have the ability to keep the law. And that sin is what separates a holy God from the people that he loves. We need somebody who is fully human to pay the penalty of sin for us. But that person must also be fully God because no mere human is without sin making him unworthy of the sacrifice. God fulfilled this new covenant in the person and work of Jesus Christ. In this new covenant, the terms do not depend on our ability to remain faithful to the law. It depends fully on what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross. And that hope is available to all those who trust in him. And if there are any of you here today who want to understand what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, I encourage you to speak with your elders after the, church, after the service is over. The Judeans who find themselves in exile are similar to the prodigal son. They have gone off to a far country in order to come to the end of themselves. They have been in the barn of life for so long that they no longer remember their true identity as the people of God. They have neglected to build the practices into their lives to help them prepare to meet the temptations and the trials that they are facing. And you and I are like the exiles too. Just as they find themselves in a land that they cannot call home, Christians are not truly home here on earth either. We know that our true home is in heaven. But even though this life on earth is temporary for us, we are called to make the most of it. Jeremiah calls for the Judeans to plant gardens and build houses, to marry and have kids, and when the city prospers, they too will enjoy the reward. Christians are called to bring God's kingdom here on earth just as it is in heaven. Do not wait for your heavenly home to live like God is in control. The time to bring God's kingdom here on earth isn't in the future. It's here and it's now. Invest in the communities and the situations in which you find yourselves. God just may be wanting to mature you. God may also be wanting to use you and your past experience to encourage others and to bless them, like the father of the prodigal son. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for not wasting the pain of our lives. Each one of us has our own story. We've all at different times gone about to a far country and found ourselves at the end. We've also been welcomed back by you, back by you, Lord, and we're grateful for that. Forgive us for the times that we have wasted the gifts that you have given us and we've wandered off. Forgive us also for the way that we have looked down at others for the way that they're acting or the way that they're living their lives. Help us in your love and in your mercy to extend forgiveness and grace to your people. We know you care about our hurts and you don't waste the pain that we go through, Lord. Help us to learn from those experiences, to draw near to you and feel your presence, which surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn now to 